Hello, I'm Stuart Clarkson and this is a podcast from Rumble's Radio. We've teamed up with uh, Ilkley Bid for this episode to help your business with some tips and advice on HR issues in the current phase of the pandemic. Well, many things are back to normal. Some things might never be the same again. So how can you adapt and change your business or who you work for and how you work for the future while ensuring that the most important part of business is people come on the journey with you if you're an employer. Well, Emma Harvey is with us from Candid HR based in Ilkley. Hello, Emma. Hello, Stuart. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for being here. And it has been a kind of strange couple of years. A lot of people have taken a bit of time to reflect on life and how that fits in with their work or how work fits in with their life, as perhaps people see it now. So um, there's a lot of change going on at the moment. Yes, there is a huge amount, and it's a lot for employers and employees alike to navigate, really. There has been this tendency, I suppose, uh, for some to just think, right, we're back to normal now, in inverted commas, normal. Let's just get back on with how things were before the pandemic even started. But in your experience, is that a good thing or is actually this a good time to say, let's look to the future rather than looking to what we've always done? Probably a little bit of both, really. I can completely understand the desire to get back to normal. And I think if if your business allows that and hasn't been impacted too much by change over the past 18 months and that's great but it is also an opportunity for for business owners to assess what's in place and find a different way forward Um, it's it's a great time to reintroduce it um, or introduce it for the first time sorry as people reintegrate back into the business yeah and I think the the kind of big thing for a, a work point of view during the pandemic has been the WFH working from home which was always a thing beforehand but has become more of a thing uh, since last March and a lot of people have perhaps found that they like it and they didn't think they would like it. Yeah this is true I think it's fair to say that the pandemic has changed the way that people want to work. Now not every industry not every sector can allow for working from home so for example cafes, restaurants, hospitality sector would struggle as would manufacturing but then you have other office-based type industries where it, where it has had to happen where people work from home and, and people have got used to that. And I think the challenge that some business owners might face is that employees will choose jobs on that basis now. You know, those that can offer some flexibility will uh, attract and retain the best people, arguably. And I know you work with and, and support businesses of all different shapes and sizes. How how have those businesses found the the aspects of people working from home certainly in terms of you know managing the staff and the HR side of things it, it's difficult to have conversations when people are not with you exactly that so it is a different dynamic and a different different way of managing people from home than when they're sat next to you in the office I think overwhelmingly the businesses that we work with have done a fantastic job of pivoting and making sure that everybody has the right equipment and tools to be able to work from home successfully but it, there are sometimes you know there's some anxieties about people returning to the workplace and, and some genuine anxieties out there as well and I think the next challenge is perhaps supporting our clients with with returning people back to work who, who have some of those concerns. And I guess from both the employee and employer side there will be people who say well we've managed this far for 18 months with you at home let's just carry on doing that even though you could come back to the workplace and you're happy to come back to the workplace why have you back if if it's been so successful yeah there are there are definitely some companies that are thinking along those lines and that's that's great if it can work for them and work for their employees that's great 
But, you know, there is a lot to be said for social well-being in terms of returning to the office. A lot to be said on, you know, picking up on those nuances, but just by working next to somebody and listening into conversations. And there's a lot to be said for, for team dynamic and team building as well for working in the office. So a lot of companies are going for a, a hybrid model. But in some cases, they've decided that they want people back in the office and, and that's their their right to ask for that. One of the things that's been in the news recently um, about large employers, and, and some of these are private firms, some of them are government departments, moving towards more home working. And there's been this discussion about whether you should get paid the same. Uh, ultimately, you're doing if you're doing the same job, the same work, the same amount of hours at your desk, then yes, you should be paid the same. But if it's not costing you as much for commuting and parking, having your lunch out, work clothes, those kind of things, there is an argument that says an employer can get away with paying you less well they probably could but it'd have to be negotiated and agreed by all parties to be you know legally compliant but i think there's there's probably a what you could do argument and what you should do argument and i think again overwhelmingly my experience is that people in general terms who've been working from home have been going that extra mile anyway. So they've been sat at the computer an hour earlier. They've been staying an hour later. They've been a lot more flexible with the hours that they work and the hours that they put in. And if they haven't been, then that's been managed on a on an individual case-by-case basis. So I, I would approach that with caution because whilst it might be a legitimate argument to have, it's, it's a case of would you go there and destroy that goodwill that's been built up? Yeah, absolutely. I, I suppose there are fewer distractions sometimes at home but then for some people there might be more distractions at home so it's it's working out what's best for that employee absolutely and it's got to work for the employee and the employer at the end of the day the employer is paying their people to provide a service to them and that that service has to be delivered so i would say you know if if there's any concerns about that talk to each other early you know let's have the conversation up front set expectations and trust people till they give you a reason not to um, people have had to be quite flexible over the last 18 months, both on the kind of employer side and the employee side. Um, is that more of an important thing now going forward in terms of, you know, those short notice, I need tomorrow off because X, Y, Z, or, you know, I need some unpaid leave because this is going on in my family. Uh, do you think employers are more switched on to that now? Yeah, I do. I think, um, I think, I think they have to be. And like I alluded to a moment ago, I think it's going to be an absolute game changer in talent attraction and retention because people will shop around for jobs on, on the basis of how flexible employers can be. And it's not just about working from home. It's not just about time off for appointments and things like that. There are other ways to show flexibility in the workplace if 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 those sort of things just can't be accommodated. You touched on kind of going for new jobs. I suppose early on in the pandemic, people probably thought, how mirth am I ever going to get another job? I can't go to see somebody for an interview. I can't go look around a workplace. But we've kind of worked through that, haven't we? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's delightful to see that the recruitment market seems quite buoyant at the minute and that people have a choice again of, of different jobs and, and different sectors. You know, there could be a challenge for to fill those positions as, as people leave certain sectors in, in huge droves. Um, that might be a challenge going forward. But we've definitely come through the the pandemic i think at it's worst and it's really encouraging to see the job market so buoyant again i guess there are dangers with um 
hiring somebody that you've never met though so there's kind of caution required at, at times if you you know are still got an office where everybody's working from home and you're recruiting somebody new to come into that team who's not actually going to meet people and you don't get the the dynamic between them and then when you put them back in the office you go oh actually these people perhaps don't get on yeah there's always a risk you never know for sure anyway but there are things you can do to mitigate like probationary periods objective setting that kind of thing and i think whenever time allows and now that the restrictions are lifting a lot compared with where they were there will be those opportunities to integrate people properly and get them to meet up you you mentioned probation periods that's interesting it gets me wondering are employment contracts changing in any way are there new terms or things that people are thinking i'll put this in as a safeguard you know for example another pandemic another kind of force majeure big kind of event we weren't expecting can you now put clauses into people's contracts if you're taking people on new to say actually i want to just be able to get rid of you at a moment's notice and are employees actually more willing to accept that now do you think i think so i think that it's always easier to introduce these new clauses with new people to the business because it's a it's a blank canvas for everyone concerned. It's harder to change something for somebody that's been in situ for a number of years, but it still can be done through uh, consultation and and agreement. So a couple of the thing the major things that we're seeing in terms of change include things like a more flexible layoff clause because. Of course, nobody had heard of furlough in the UK 18 months ago. It, it just didn't didn't exist in law. So now we're putting a lot of furlough clauses into contracts for people going forward. We also had a piece of legislation come out last year called the Good Work Plan in April 2020, and it largely went under the radar because everything was about COVID and, and survival. So there's some changes to contracts to be made there. And of course, the big one that keeps hitting the headlines is the no jab, no job clause, isn't it? And that's uh, all over the news at present. Are they enforceable? I mean, ultimately, you can put a term into a contract and it's up to the employee whether they want to accept it or not. But is that something you can legally put in a contract? Yeah, you, you can. Um, you can certainly do it again for new starters. But I'd, um, I'd avoid a broad brush approach because there are considerations to be had in terms of religious beliefs in terms of potential discrimination there is a way to do it and again it's through a lot of consultation and agreement again approach with caution but i know the law's changing in some sectors and it will be mandatory for example in the care sector from later this year it's a balance it's all about um you know trying to be open and transparent and, and agreeing a way forward together on the the vaccination thing can i ask as an employer whether you've been vaccinated you know can I gather that information and insist that you tell me when you've had your jabs and those kind of things no I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that I mean, I mean you can but it, it opens up the gate to claims under GDPR for example about personal sensitive data what I would do in that situation is depends what sector you're working in depends why you're asking depends what the reason is that you need to know depends if you're in a sector where the risk is you know greatly increased to those around you such as the care the care home sector um but i would i would avoid you know asking questions outright like that and um keeping records on it because it's fraught with danger when it comes to gdpr and here's another tricky one i suppose as well on there you know you can you can put a clause in the contract that says you know we're not going to hire you we're not going to take you on if you've not had your vaccinations but can you ask that at an interview and can you make a decision on a recruitment process based on whether somebody's been vaccinated or not well um I would hope there would be other factors that would <laughs> help you help you reach your decision, but um, yeah, there are way, there are ways to do it. I think if you're very clear about that, 
in your policy and your advert up front so people know exactly what they're applying for before they apply. That's probably a sensible way to do it. What I wouldn't want to encourage is decisions being made on employment based on that factor alone. I knew you'd have a sensible answer. We can always rely on you that, Fremer. Uh, we were talking about recruitment as well, and you mentioned that the recruitment sector is is doing really well. Obviously, there are lots of people looking for work, um, but there are some sectors, hospitality is one of them, where they're struggling to recruit. So are we seeing shifts between sectors where, you know, those hospitality staff who were furloughed and went off and found other jobs are now not coming back to those sectors? Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair, fair to say uh, for hospitality for sure. So I think we're going to have to get a bit more creative in some of our ideas about hiring people and I think it's possibly been a double whammy as well with Brexit and um, we had a lot of foreign workers in the hospitality industry in the UK and the the combination of, of Brexit and the pandemic has has really impacted the ability to hire but there are good people out there there are great employers in the hospitality sector and it can be a can be a great reward in life for people working in it so it's not without hope and you mentioned furlough coming to an end um there are people uh, you uh, who are then not going back to those jobs because they don't exist there perhaps might be people who haven't yet found out whether they're going back to a job or whether they've got a job to go back to so what advice have you got for both the employee and the employers to how you deal with those situations where there's some uncertainty and you don't know what's going on I think for employers, it's really important to get your ducks in a row now, really, and start planning for that eventuality. So if you now know that the jobs aren't going to be there when furlough comes to an end next month, then you really need to be planning for that and thinking about your communication strategy with your employees. And there's quite a lot to get right legally if you are making people redundant. There's certain things you have to do in law to make that that fair and legal. So I would certainly be encouraging employers to get advice on that now and start planning and for employees I think it's perfectly legitimate for them to start asking questions of their employer and and asking for an update or you know confirmation of coming back to work when furlough ends or or otherwise so that they can start planning their future whether that's with the current organization or elsewhere and how how important is it now that those conversations are face to face you know if you are being made redundant obviously you can now you know going back a few months they had to be done on on zoom calls or whatever but because you can now see somebody in a in a room face to face is it better to do it that way rather than rely on what we've been doing the last 18 months yes certainly i think reputationally and for credibility and morally you can't replace the power of a face-to-face meeting there's an honesty that comes with that with sitting next to somebody and looking them in the eye and explaining the situation however you know if, if geography is an issue for example or there are genuine medical reasons why somebody can't attend then it still can be done sensitively via zoom and obviously there are some legal obligations when you make people redundant but there are some moral things that perhaps the better employers will do and that's you know helping people whether that's giving them some new skills and helping with training courses or you know giving them some advice and interview skills and brushing up the cv with them and that kind of thing so as a business you can do things to help those employees that are no longer going to be part of your firm we actually run outplacement support programs as part of our redundancy support package and it's just all about uh, helping those employees to write good cvs help them navigate the jobs market help them with interview skills um, that they might need because you know some people have been in jobs for a very long time 
and the job market was very different 20 years ago than it is today. And even, you know, applying for a job online probably wasn't a consideration for a lot of people last time they applied for a job. So this this support package that we offer just guides them through all of that and then hopefully they can go on to the next stage with confidence. And I think there's a a side benefit to this as well. If if your remaining employees see you treating people well who are leaving and allowing them to leave well with skills it will automatically instill a sense of goodwill and confidence in in the people who are left because they'll say well well you know it was a bad situation but the company actually treated those people as well as it could have done and that matters both for the people going and the people staying you're listening to a podcast from Rumble Radio. I'm Stuart Clarkson. Emma Harvey's with us from Candid HR in Ilkley. Um, that one of the big issues for the last few months has been the pingdemic. So people getting pinged and then not being able to go into work. And I know this has been causing all sorts of uh, troubles in, in many different sectors. Those are about to change as we record this. So from the 16th of August, the rules on isolation mean if you've had both vaccinations, you don't need to isolate if you've been in contact. You still need to do daily testing. And if those are negative, you can keep going into work. Do you think businesses are welcoming this change? Obviously, it's been really tough the last month or two with with staff not being there because they got pinged because actually they they haven't got the virus, but they've just got to stay away. So do you think this is a welcome move? Uh, absolute game changer I, I can't tell you how <laughs> welcome this move will be I was uh, I was talking to someone yesterday who works for one of the largest supermarket chains in the country I won't say which one and they currently have 20,000 staff off because they've been pinged wow. I imagine the impact of that on the supply chain and to all of us you know who buy food and drink and essentials from that place it's absolutely massive and, and, and I'm very surprised that the whole country's not come to a, a standstill but um, I mean that that's one example in a large organization but actually the impact is just as real if not more keenly felt with the smaller businesses that just don't have the headcount to carry that when when people are off so yes hugely hugely welcome and and, and I I think I speak for businesses across all sectors there. Yeah, there, I suppose there is a flip side and there perhaps will be some businesses that are a little bit more cautious about it in, in terms of actually, you know, if you have been in contact, even with the vaccine, you could still pick up and transmit the virus. And, you know, it, it, it it's a tricky one for some employees to square, I guess, because actually you're saying, yeah, you've been in contact with somebody, but you can still come into work. Yeah, and I think the daily testing takes care of that argument largely um as long as that's done and done rigorously then <laughs> shove it right up your nose as far as it'll go <laughs> that's it that's they're not pleasant are they but um <laughs> the, yeah i think it's just uh it, it, we, we have to move forward now and and start enabling businesses to function and i think this is a, a big part of that but yeah i think i think again i understand the caution absolutely but I do think that daily testing should alleviate a lot of concern in that area. The other restrictions that have been lifted over recent weeks in terms of you know the, the mandatory mask wearing and those kind of things, are you finding that some businesses are still taking a kind of cautious approach in terms of health and safety? I mean, most shops are still saying, please wear a mask, even though it's not mandatory, we'd like you to. And that I suppose a lot of that is about the health and safety requirements of an employer to protect their staff. Yeah, there's definitely still a duty of care uh, that employees have to show to employees. So as long as there there is a logic behind their approach on this and that they're being fully transparent 
about it then i think that's that's absolutely fine as well and i think it's just about respecting the different rules within the organization there will there will be good reason for it and that will be to protect each other and colleagues and, and in some cases members of the public so yeah i do understand that um and th- there's still a lot of anxiety either because of that you know members of the public coming in and not following your rules or other general things to do with family and work so wellness and mental health has kind of the last few years been a a priority for a lot of employers anyway but seems to be even more so now Um, what can managers hr staff do to make sure that the 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 staff that they've got are well and that they're happy and those kind of things yeah so i mean the thing the thing with well-being is we always sort of advised if you do it do it well and do it fully or kind of don't because it's one of those areas that um it's not just a tick box exercise unfortunately so i think it can range from anything from regular check-ins with your staff and i mean check-in rather than check up on how they're doing um we've done some great work with some clients who have one-to-ones now and the first questions are how are you doing how's life in work how's life outside of work and their regular weekly chats with people and then of course there's the social well-being so being back in the office there's mental well-being then there's physical well-being and there's financial well-being and some companies have strategies in place to cover all of those four bases but i think really and truly it's about creating a great place to work and a safe place to work and creating a culture of feedback where employees are comfortable coming to you with any concerns and I think if you can communicate that that's your approach that you've got this open door kind of approach to it and encourage employees to raise any concerns that they might have with you in a safe space then that's half the battle and thinking to the various companies I've worked at over my career over the last 20 years or so the places I've been most happy and where morale has been best are companies who have kind of recognized good performance and good work and got reward programs and employee of the month schemes they communicate well they provide development opportunities and all those kind of things so where we're in this world at the moment where people are thinking actually now i might go and do something different and you want to retain your staff it's about putting things into place if you don't already have them that will actually make people want to carry on working for you exactly that and i think one of the quickest ways to get to what your staff want is to just ask them whether that's through surveys or things like stay interviews. So, you know, you might have heard of exit interviews, which are quite, are quite common. That's where you see someone after they've resigned and find out why they're leaving, but it's kind of too late if they've already resigned. So we encourage stay interviews with good people to find out why they stay and what they say about the business, and whether they'd recommend the business as a good employer and ask them for ideas uh, about about things like benefits. And um, one of the most popular approaches now is almost to create a sort of menu or a suite of options, and employees can, can choose from that suite of options. Now, for smaller businesses and, you know, for, for businesses employing two, three, four, five people, that might not be feasible, but there are a lot of good things out there that, that they can access that are not prohibitively expensive or difficult to implement. I feel like I've become a little bit of a HR expert just from my 25 minutes talking to you. Um, <laughs> so uh, I know you provide support to different businesses. If, if people want your help, um, what kind of things can you do for them and how could they get in touch with you? We're proud generalists when it comes to HR support and we offer help with every step of the employee life cycle. So from recruitment to contracts of employment, um, making sure the compliance side is done. 
And then we look at onboarding and training for employees and managers to make sure they've got the tools to be successful. We can help with employee engagement programs, tricky disciplinaries and grievances to make sure that they're handled correctly and and they're not too much of a headache for the managers handling them. And of course, at the minute, we're dealing with a lot of tricky exits as well, such as redundancies, restructures, people going AWOL, um, you know, we can, we can support with all of that. Um, and, you know, we do offer a free of charge HR audit for any potential client or contact that wants to just see where they're at in terms of their legal compliance with employment law and GDPR. And we do that before anything. So that might be useful to people. Fantastic. Um, so it's uh, candidhr.co.uk is your website address as well. Uh, great to chat to you Emma thank you very much thank you again see you soon and a massive thanks as well to Ilkley Bid for their support in helping this podcast come to life uh, you can subscribe to get plenty more local stuff for the Air and Wharf Valleys in your podcast feed check out rumbletradio.com as well for lots of news events and more about Ilkley Skipton and Keekley thanks for listening